Toronto made it three out of three with an emphatic victory over the Orlando Magic yesterday in their own backyard. It means that the Raptors, contrary to previous predictions that they might be giving up the second seed, are actually hunting down a flailing Milwaukee Bucks. To discuss all three victories, I have my uh, loyal sidekick, Burrell. Burrell, welcome once again to the show. What's up, Kamal? Man, this Raptors team, I think they perhaps they've even surprised us. If you'd told us before going to these three games that the Raps will be up 3-0, I think both of us would have been a slight disbelief in all honesty. I mean, we've always believed in this team, but especially that performance against the Lakers, which we'll come on to, I mean, that was really an eye-opener for us as well. And an eye-opener for the rest of the media because, again, nobody's discussed them as real title contenders up until that point. And then, of course, we had LeBron James in the post-game interview talk about how he considers them as real contenders as well. So this past week, as Raptors fans, has uh, been really exciting. Of course, I mean, we also had just yesterday Dwight Howard saying that the Lakers are going to face the Raptors in the NBA Finals. Um, so it's it's big praise from from Los Angeles, and no wonder. First game after the restart was a 107-92, technically an away victory over the Lakers, but of course we're all assuming it's a neutral ground with no home and away now. Um, but what what sort of themes was emerging from this game? Obviously, we let, let's firstly look at the Raptors' defense. Mm-hmm. What I yeah. saw from this was interestingly enough, there was no okay, we got to double LeBron and AD as soon as they get on the board. Instead, it was man-for-man defense, but the rotations were so elite and so well-drilled that the Lakers simply weren't able to, you know, create any plays. You know, look at LeBron, the main creator. He was just forced to pass. He was wanting every pass it. More often than not, he was getting the ball back because the Lakers weren't able to penetrate that Raptors defense. Is that something you also noticed? Yeah, uh, spot on. I... In all fairness, LeBron, of course, he still managed to, um, on occasion, drive, penetrate the first layer of defense. But I think what's really important for this Raptors team, which, again, we we saw when we watched uh, their live game uh, as well, Camille, is the fact that even when that initial penetration happens, the intensity with which they scramble around the perimeter, if say if the cutter then chooses to pass the ball out, means that often, basically, any team that goes against the Raptors, at best, they're almost always just going to get a half-open three-pointer. Like, they just don't give up open three-pointers unless, of course, like they give up, uh, give up the offensive rebound, which they are, of course, liable to do. So, uh, I say for this Raptors team, it's more than anything, it's that combination on defense defensive end of um, excellent, really top-tier perimeter defense combined with the fact that they have got that strong interior presence in both uh, Siakam, uh, Ibaka, say if he's coming off the bench, and Gasol as well. Oh, Gasol had absolute clamps. I think uh, yeah. to a man against the Lakers, he was definitely the defensive man of the match. But we also have to give credit, as you said, to Siakam, but also OG Ananubi, because the Lakers, uh, yes. at least in the second half, were running a two-man offense, obviously, with uh, LeBron and Aiden, the main men. Um, there was one particular clip, and we'll put this on our Twitter at Boarding and Six, where the, those two kept trying to pass to each other, kept trying to open it up for either the three or the drive or even the pull up mid range. 
But those rota- there were, it was almost they were playing help defense. It was at any time there was one and a half defenders on either AD and LeBron. It was like three against two, <laughs> the way they were playing. I mean, you'll see it in the clip that uh, we'll put on the Twitter after. But it was absolutely phenomenal stuff. And I think it's not only credit to the players, but also credit to Nick Nurse, who, um, you know, after playing some maverick defensive schemes last year against the Warriors, which worked, but wouldn't really have worked against any, in any other situation, has really sort of turned his team into the biggest pests in the whole NBA. Um, and uh, one other point is Danny Green uh, in two games against the Raptors scored zero points against yes. <laughs> um, I mean the Raptors as you said are good for a very good perimeter defense but as we saw and as we saw in the, in the live game on Monday against the Heat uh, they are liable to giving up a corner three but I guess uh, yes. Mr. Green you know wasn't able to take advantage of that um, but let's let's also talk about the Going forward, of course, uh, OG had 23 points, and throughout the season, it's becoming more and more consistent. Especially after he had a bit of a setback last year, especially the offense then. But you can sort of rely on him uh, to be that sort of 40, 50 percent corner three shooter that the Raptors needed. That the Raptors, I guess, last had in PJ Tucker. Um, what did you think of Kyle Lowry this game? Oh, Lowry, yeah. I mean, 30s, what was that to 33 say? 33 and 14 um, Yeah, yeah. Um, absolutely phenomenal. I mean, he wasn't quite as hot against the Heat, but um, if Carl Lowry puts up 30 points, I'd, I'd go as far as saying his Raptor team is almost guaranteed a win. If he's shooting uh, at an excellent clip from the three-point line, which he usually would be if he's putting up those kind of points. Yeah, five, five from nine, um, he shot on, on last, last Saturday. Exactly. Um, because he does everything else so well, if he's also putting up those kind of offensive numbers, which we actually don't need him to do in order to win, then we're, I think this team is almost guaranteed to win. And I think if, if there was some sort of stat uh, which looked at... Um, the uh, winning percentage of games in which Carl Lowry, say for example, uh, scored over 30 points. I imagine it would be in like the high 90s. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, of course, if he continues in this kind of form, I think uh, as you know, the main offensive threat for the team, I think the team will look uh, very, very dangerous come playoff time. Yeah, and just to finish off, we're going to actually give you some just quite quite indicative stats of the game. Uh, the Raptors managed to limit the Lakers, who admittedly might have had an off night, but the off night came from the defensive effort of the other team. They limited the Lakers to 35.4% from the floor and just 25% from three. The Raptors shot 40% and 40% plus in both categories. And I guess that's where the, yes. that's where the win is made. Someone, one team shoots average, uh, but if you stop the other team shooting, you're going to win every single time. That said, though, this victory set the Raptors up very nicely for our live game uh, against Heat. Uh, of course, for those of you who don't know, and well, you would have heard in the sponsorship message before the show, but we are now uh, trying to display and commentate at least one live Raptors game every week or every fortnight uh, on Hot Mic. So all you need to do is go to the link in the description app.hotmic.io, download the app and use invite code falling754 to get the app for free. Uh, it means that when, whenever we're commentating, you subscribe to us, you'll get a notification of when we're going live and then you can watch 
the Raptors on your TV screen while we commentate and you know uh, you will want that. So anyway, uh, those of you who did tune in on Monday, well, Varel, uh, we watched this game together, so I'm going to let you take the lead on this one. Um, it, apart from, um, and I'm going to say, I was about to say who stuck out for you, but of course it's going to be Van Vliet for the 99% of viewers. Um, who's the sec- what's the second sort of most, uh, most characteristic thing from this game? Yeah, I, I'm sorry. Um, I don't want to answer that question because I, I want to talk about friends Van Vliet. Okay, fine. Talk about Freddy. Talk about Freddy. I really want to do this one. Please go ahead. <laughs> okay, I'll leave him with Freddy. Um, I, I think one, uh, let's say, slightly interesting takeaway. So, um, for those of you who didn't watch the game, the number of lead changes in that game was just ridiculous. I mean, when me and Kamel were commentating, by the end of the game, we both slightly almost lost our minds. At one point, the Raptors almost gave up, I believe. Well, it was a 17-point lead, which they did give up. But um, then they went back and forth, back and forth with the Heat in the fourth quarter. And fortunately, they came out with the win. But um, I kind of want to bring this back to OG Ananobi because he had that amazing performance against the Lakers. And in this game, he was almost non-existent. He was only one of five from the field. And mm. I think one important thing I need to highlight from his game is that while the Raptors, they do have that guard depth. A lot of those guards, like our three main guards are Powell, Lowry and Van Vliet. And these are all undersized players for their positions. And so if you've got two of them on the floor, Firstly, you're almost certainly going to get a mismatch in the two shooting guard position. That's number one. But number two, this team doesn't really have that wing that can uh, keep up with the top wings in the league. I mean, um, Siakam somewhat fills that position, but he's slightly too uh, tall. He's not really going to keep up with uh, somebody like a Kawhi Leonard or um, Paul George as easily, or a Jason Tatum. Um, just purely based on due to his length. Uh, so we really do need that, um, you know, six, 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 seven type wing. And the thing with Ananobi is, he's. I believe what we need from him is not him is not just more consistency. So it would have been nice to see him also do well against that Heat team. But also, even if he's not able to be consistent, he needs to perform against the teams in which the other team does have that dangerous wing type player. And uh, the thing is, with that Heat game, um, correct me if I'm wrong, Camille, uh Jimmy Butler, was he did play, didn't he, in the game? Hey, Jimmy Butler did play. Yeah, yeah. But, um, you wouldn't have known. Nonetheless, like, Jimmy Butler didn't have a massive impact on that game. And um, in future, in those types of matchups, we need him to really step up because he's going to be the main guy guarding those, guarding those players. He was... The modern, basically the main defender for LeBron in the Lakers game. He was, so, um, he was, of course, in the Miami Heat game, he was on Adebayo all game. He sort of rarely defended Butler. Um, yeah, I mean, Fred Van Vliet even said after the game, OG's really a five, so it wasn't that much of a mismatch. And we sort of make that joke with, with him all the time. Uh, he, he continued, he said, he was great for us from being able to go from guarding LeBron to guarding Bam tonight. And um, at wow. his size, he can cause anyone problems. So I it's didn't interesting. Even that. Oh wow! Okay, 
No, no, that's um, fair enough. I mean, it's it was sort of a difficult one because um, the rotations are so crazy that you know Raptors players don't really end up guarding one player. But his main assignment on Monday was was against Bam. Bam. Why? Yeah. So, yeah. No wonder the, the I mean the versatility needed to do that. Maybe that's why he had such a big role on the defense, which is why offensively he didn't do as much. But yeah, my point still stands that he just if he is able to say consistently more consistently put up you know 10 to 15 points uh, as opposed to go through these large swings i mean that could be the missing piece for the team big time big time um so og slander aside um there wasn't one thing i uh well i guess i guess we can focus on one player who we've mentioned is usually a raptors a toronto tormentor as it were and that's jimmy butler this game however he only scored 16 points. He only made four field goals, and his two plays at the end were the reason that Miami could yes. complete their comeback. Uh, one was, of course, a turnover, which took three full minutes to review, and the other was actually, and let's bring it back to Fred Van Vliet, a Fred Van Vliet steal. Uh, yes. So Van Vliet, of course, showing up on both ends of the draw. Um, was. Do you expect Jimmy Butler to improve? Was this just a product of the Raptors' defense? Because of course he's going to be a factor in the playoffs, whichever team he plays. And you know, at one time or another, you're going to expect Miami to come up against Toronto, whether it's in the semi-finals or, or, or even further. Uh, what, what, what do you sort of see as Jimmy Butler's mindset right now and his form? Yeah, um, good question. I think um, maybe it had some slightly to do with the disruption that he saw because we talked about uh, before you commentated the game, we weren't even sure if Jimmy Butler was going to play it because there were reports that he missed training the day before. Yeah. And uh, it, there was even speculation that uh, he either, uh, you know, tested positive uh, for coronavirus or that he left the bubble. Uh, the media wasn't quite sure. So um, maybe taking that day off, um, I don't know, caused a little bit of disruption. It disrupted his rhythm. Um, but I, I also do think, it, I mean, credit has to go to the Raptors because if you think about Jimmy's game, he's not the most efficient three-point shooter. And... Um, of course, he's excellent driving to the basket, but this season he's take on, taken on a more of a facilitator type role for now. Of course, he's averaging uh, the most assists for that Miami team at six assists a game. And um, uh, alongside Dragic and Adebayo, both got five assists as well. But he is the main facilitator. And what was interesting for us, Kamel, I, I, we did point it out, I, I especially pointed out during that game, is that uh, Butler... I felt like was taking a bit too much of a backseat on the offensive end. He wasn't coming up with the ball as much as he would be doing in other games, or he did do in uh, other regular season games. Well, so, was that because maybe Miami were feeding the hot hand? I'll bring up Dragic and Crowder a bit later. Yes, but. exactly, exactly. Um, so yeah, part yeah again, part of the reason is because uh, uh, Dragic has such a good performance. But I still would have liked to actually have seen. Jimmy um, taking the ball up and I said I would have liked to have seen a drug it uh, in like the right corner or the left corner where Kendrick Nunn would also typically operate when Jimmy's uh, leading the offense as well so um, who do you rather have the ball in your hands as the Miami team even if Dragic is hot you'd still want Jimmy to have the ball in his hands because you want Jimmy to be the closer when the fourth quarter comes around and that was the troubling thing is when that fourth quarter came around because Jimmy didn't have as many touches as he normally would, maybe that's why he was also cold as well. Yeah, of course. Um, and uh, we forget that 
though Toronto have come out hot, there has been a four-month <laughs> gap for a lot of players. Exactly. This was Jimmy's first competitive game since March, so we won't be too harsh on him going forward. One one thing I do want to be harsh on for the Raptors, and I'm going to touch on it when we go through the Magic game last night, but they gave up a third quarter lead once again. They had led by 17 in the third quarter, but within 10 minutes, within there was 10 minutes left in the game in the fourth, and the Heat pulled ahead with a Dragic corner three. Should Nick Nurse be worried? About, I mean, should I guess should fans be worried about the Raptors seemingly always giving up a lead when they're 15, 20 points ahead? This wasn't the case, of course, against the Lakers because it was such a tight game and they were forced to fight through. But what it seems like is there might be a lack of, there might, there might be some complacency setting in that, okay, we're 15 points ahead, we're not going to try as hard on the rotations, on the perimeter defense, and suddenly the whole system falls apart. Falls apart. Is this something to be um, worried about or is it just a blip? Yeah, great question again, Camille. I think it was a blip. And the reason it was a blip in both this games? Game, because this happened in the yeah, Magic game. Yeah, that's the thing. That's the thing. We'll go on to the Magic game later, but if, if we were just to look at it from the Miami Heat perspective, when we were commentating that game, Camille, we did say the Heat's abysmal, and emphasis on this, abysmal shooting in the first half. I think they were... Put, uh, shooting somewhere around 20 or 25% from three. Um, although we did praise the Raptors' defense, we said that is not going to stay the same because my, this Miami Heat team is the best three-point shooting team in the league. And uh, we said that has to change. Like, this, this team, you can't keep them all down. You've got um, Duncan Robinson, one of the best three-point shooters in the league now. You've got Tyler Harrell off the bench. Jay Crowder's been shooting 40% from free. Kelly Olynyk is the new Steph Curry, as we discussed in the game. So <laughs> yeah, you've got a lot of excellent three-point shooters. And we said, uh, just due, purely due to variance, um, this Heat team in the um, second half, we said they are going to turn things around because uh, that was the main difference between the two teams. And that's why they stretched out to that 17-point lead. It's just because some of those shots weren't going down. And as soon as they started to go down, that's when the comeback started to happen. So, especially with the Miami Heat, no, I'd say Kamel, that's, um, I wouldn't get be too worried about that. And um, perhaps in the future, maybe in that third quarter, again, if it does become a trend, um, maybe to the team could look to play the starters some uh, more extended minutes in that third quarter period if it's starting to become an issue but uh, at this moment I'd argue no it's I wouldn't worry about it too much well let's um, touch on that topic let's carry on with this topic once again because Raptors faced the magic last night and we'll go through all the positives earlier but uh, they lost the third quarter 33-23 which allowed the Magic to get back in the game. The Raptors, of course, were 20 points up and uh, finished with a 10-point lead. Uh, Nick Nurse himself said, you know, we definitely weren't energetic and alert in the second half, but I was super impressed with the first half. Uh, he said he isn't tripping about that second period. Um, but I don't know, the Magic scoring 64 points in the second half on almost 50% shooting is, doesn't make me too comfortable, especially when you've got a team who relies so much on their defense um, exactly. to play, yeah. so um, yeah. but I, as you said, I think I think we addressed it pretty well in terms of you know these are all right now we have a in the bubble we only have teams who are going hammer and tongs 
to get as high a seed as possible. There's no one tanking. We touched yeah. obviously on this on uh, in the preview as well. Everyone is just going yeah. for the win all the time. Yeah, the exactly, magic, exactly. the magic are under pressure. Uh, of course, yeah. they have they. I believe they've had their seventh seed taken. If I'm, am I, am I correct? By the next win against the against the but uh, no, uh, actually yes, the magic yeah, because the, magic the nets the nets are the nets lost to the Celtics, didn't they? Yeah, but the, the sorry, the nets are still half a game ahead. Um, and so yeah. while you know you know it, you'd rather I guess face the Raptors okay. than Bucks, um, regardless of how well Toronto are playing right now. But yeah, everything's going hard and going. So you expect if you're 20 points down, you're just going to go out with a nothing to lose attitude. Uh, we saw people like Terence Ross score some almost impossible threes yesterday and show Toronto while they really missed like a Maverick player like that. Um, exactly, yeah. That, that's an important thing to highlight. And uh, one question I have for you, Camille. Yes. Firstly, sorry, this is not related, but it's I find it hilarious that the Wizards are now uh, below the Charlotte Hornets who yeah, aren't I mean, even there. I mean, so, uh, technically the Hornets should now be invited to the bubble to replace them. <laughs> yeah, but exactly. It's, it's weird. It's like, <laughs> you can imagine like, uh, who is it? Like Jeremy Lamb and like Malik Monk just sitting like, we should have been there, man. Like, it's, it's, um, it's, no, it's Graham. I mean, Devontae Graham yeah. being such a big player for them as well. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, you couldn't have like with Bradley Beal's injury. It's very unfortunate. But um, the question I had for you, Camille, is just I, you were you did say you wanted to talk about it, but I think we need to discuss Freddie's uh, Freddie Cougars performances in the last three games because yeah. he has been absolutely outstanding. Well, just give it was me your another, take on what you've yeah. seen. Well, yeah, of course, it was another elite performance against the Magic. Another double-double, 21 points and 10 assists. And it's... He performs, essentially, because... He, I mean, his nickname is Steady Freddy for a reason. And because the Raptors don't have a championship uh, caliber player anymore, like Kawhi, they don't have someone who's gonna naturally put up 40, 50 points when it matters. Having someone like Fred Van Vliet, whose floor appears to be something like 20 points and eight assists, just performing every game, just being a pest on defense, it really, really matters. Having that steady presence. And I mean, there's no doubt that before, before lockdown, he was already having a breakout year. But what's more impressive is how he's just continued that elite form, you know? Yeah. You could say that maybe likes of Siakam have have just calmed down a little since uh, the All-Star break. But Fred Van Vliet has just absolutely carried on. And, you know, instead of, I remember still the days, twenty even 2018, you know, Van Vliet was seen as a liability going into the postseason. But, I mean, he is set, all set to be the Raptors' talisman. Uh, alongside Cal Lowry, so I, I have, I have, I can't, I can I can't stop showering praise on Freddie Cooper, yeah. as you call him. So. And one last point I wanted to add about Freddie is in that Miami Heat game, he, not, he had an outstanding performance offensively, but it was, it was that it was even more outstanding given the fact that the whole fourth quarter, the Heat were double teaming him as soon as he crossed half court. They were just trying to trap him as best as they could. And um, it led to actually better offense for the team as a whole because, of course, then um, he had four and three uh, for the rest of the team. But that's how well he was playing. Miami Heat team saw him as, you know, the stud in the game. They realized how much he was feeding it. Um, And so for Fred to be given that kind of treatment by that Miami Heat team, again, just shows how vital he's now become for this team. Exactly. Two other vital players, because 
while he did finish, of course, 21, 21 and 10 assists, this was actually the game of the big men. Now, the yeah. Magic have a very talented, lengthy team, and of course, losing Jonathan Isaac was such a devastating blow. But yeah. uh, they still have Vucevic, who, of course, last year proved himself to be, you know, also caliber. But he has two particular bogeymen in the team, and of course, they both come from the same team. Marcus Sol and Serge Ibaka have been elite in shutting down Vucevic. I don't know what it is, but Gasol especially just manages to have his number every every single time. And I think they <laughs> Gasol played... seems to have most players' numbers though. It's it's we shouldn't blame Vucevic too much for it. No, no Vucevic is in particular I mean, this season so far, I think they played two games and they've held mm-hmm. him on an average to four points per game and ten percent shooting before this. I mean, <laughs> he, did, he did a little bit better. He scored twelve points last uh, night and he but he was yeah. but he only shot four from ten from field. Um, yeah. And for a main man, for, for, you know, it's how the magic like to play in terms of getting getting yeah. the ball into Vucevic. Um, you normally, you know, yeah, averages twenty points a game. Yeah, yeah I mean, Mark and Serge just stop him every single time. Um, and uh, I think we've obviously mentioned mentioned their performance against the Lakers as well. But having those two big men, you can basically, as Nick Nurse says, play twenty four minutes each and play against different players, different types of players. Such a useful thing, and of course, if you if, if there's someone a bit faster, someone a bit quicker, like Bam or someone, could be OG and Anubia. So the Raptors are very well set up uh, in terms of personnel defensively, especially against big men. Yep, um, I think on that note, we can move on to I guess a quick and brief look at the rest of the NBA. Anything um, you know? We'll look at any highlights. Um, yeah. Um, anything wanna... that really stood out for either of us. I want to immediately bring up the Bucks' performance coming out of the break, and um, okay. I don't want to. It's it's a bit of a boring question saying, "Oh, is this uh, you know complacency or is this just rustiness?" The Bucks have not been performing, and it's worrying. And despite it, despite Giannis putting up numbers, um, you know, despite there not being an obvious issue with the team, they're just losing to the likes of the Nets and the Rockets, and does I guess a different question phrase it should this give hope to the Raptors we talked about this in our um, uh, payoff uh, picture episode whatever we want to call it um, I said no um, they'll they'll get rid of this rust and in all honesty they haven't they haven't exactly performed like really poorly either Um Correct me if I'm wrong. I, I think a couple of those games were very tight losses. So, um, yeah, again, yeah, four points against the Rockets, three points against the Nets. And, of course, uh, they actually won against the Celtics as well, Camille. And the worrying loss there is not against the Rockets. That was a, I, I thought that was an excellent game when I watched it. But, um, you know, Russell and Harden had amazing performances in that game, and understandably so. Um but yeah, it, it is of course worrying to lose against this Nets team, especially it was against the Nets team that got absolutely blown out by the Celtics as well. Um, but no, I think I would need for this team to lose like four, maybe three, four, five games before I start to become worried. I think we can just put it down to rust those games. And again, they didn't get blown out. They're both still very close losses. Well, what about their perimeter defense? Uh, I've been looking at some stats and... We, okay. all, we all know that quote about teams allegedly getting hot in the bubble um, because of the crowd, etc., etc., different factors. Um, pre-bubble, 
opposition teams shot 38.6% from three against the box. And I know it's a small sample size, but in the game so far, they shot 52% from three against the okay. box. The box have only shot um, four, less than 4% higher themselves, but their opposition have shot 13% higher. And uh, right. is there a case to say that they're relying too much on their interior defense? And in a playoff, in a postseason, which will be, for most teams, be make or break on the perimeter, on the three point line, they don't have enough or something. Or am I, I just, think oh, am I overreacting? Really, no, that's a really excellent point. Because if you actually look at their perimeter players, I mean, yes, you've got some handy players. You've got Brogdon, Divincenzo, um, who, who else is escaping my mind on the perimeter? Um, I'm, I'm drawing a blank. Who else have uh, the box got on the perimeter? Also, we've got Middleton. You said Middleton? Middleton, yeah, yeah. Um, again, he's not really in the guard position. Um, you know, Bledsoe is... Uh, he's a really pretty stocky, strong defender. But again, he's undersized. Divincenzo has been decent on that end of the floor but uh, nothing spectacular uh, Middleton again is a comp- competent defender but of course the best aspect of his game is his offense so um, yeah that's a really good way of looking at it relying on too much on interior defense because of course Yanis as well is a defensive player of the year candidate potentially even the favorite for that award so uh, although the uh, the Bucks did have an elite three defense this season you could argue yes it's because they were absolutely locking the middle of the court down of course you've got Brooke and Robin Lopez there as well to help Yenis out as well so yeah you could make the argument that you know with you know Pat Connaughton's a decent defender as well but um yeah their perimeter defense might be the one area in which things unravel for them and so um, I'd say that's a pretty good way of looking at it and we'll, again maybe we'll keep track of this Kamel in the games to come we'll have a look at um, if that changes and uh, maybe it's well I'm, I'm sure it's something Nick Nurse is also paying very close attention to exactly exactly um, is there any other points you want to bring up before our I think I believe it's our 40 minute Zoom limit <laughs> runs out. Um, <laughs> um, by the way, if you guys, if you sponsor us and follow us on Hotline, we'll be able to actually afford the premium Zoom account. So, that's, if you want longer <laughs> podcasts, there's only one way to get to Um Yeah, uh, one game that I just wanted to highlight on, and the two game, uh, the two teams that participated in that game I wanted to highlight. The Nuggets and the Spurs. Again, two teams that just aren't going to get talked about enough, but the Spurs, disgracefully, um, you and myself, Camille, when we talked about the eighth seed um, going into this, we didn't even mention them. We talked about the Trailblazers, the Pelicans and the Grizzlies. We didn't even bring up the Spurs. Uh, obviously, a big reason as to that was because um, of the injury to Lamarcus Aldridge. But what's been so interesting for the Spurs team, if they had won against the Nuggets, they would have been 3-0. And uh, Pop has really, really started to rely on uh, youth. And... Um, in particular, Lonnie Walker, DeJounte Murray, who in the 2018-2019 season, he of course, he was injured all year, but he was really starting to get into his groove pre-coronavirus uh, break. And it seems that he's continued in that same vein of form post-coronavirus. But the player out of everyone to highlight the most in that team is Derek White, who's also been shooting spectacular, spectacularly from the three-point line as well. And so that backcourt of... Um, 
DeJounte Murray, Derek White with Lonnie Walker helping them off the bench. I mean, um, it's young and and it's a dynamic uh, backcourt. And um, although it might not be enough for this team to make the playoffs, it is exciting for Spurs fans to see this for the future rather than, you know, playing really gay starting and heavy minutes uh, rather than purely relying on DeMar and LaMarcus as well. So that's been really nice to see with the Spurs, and I, I imagine they will continue on the same vein of form. Um, the next team, well, the other team in that game, I wanted to highlight the Nuggets. Um, the game itself, both teams, both teams shot excellently, and with the Nuggets, despite having Gary Harris, um, Will Barton, and um, Murray out, their three starting guards slash forwards, Kamel. The Nuggets team is only two and one, and I and I say only because they lost their first game. But um, I would have expected, looking at their schedule, like potentially, yeah, they might have been zero and three, given that their three most important players are out. But you see how talented this Nuggets team is, because in the last two games, you've seen uh, Michael Porter Jr. absolutely explode. I mean, he he looked amazing in both of those games, and. Um, I believe he scored over 30 points, maybe not, but um, just scored a ridiculous number in both games. And um, it just goes to show again, when we talked about the Nuggets, it's like it, it, their depth is phenomenal. Uh, Morris, uh, uh, the point guard, uh, Monte Morris, for the Nuggets as well. He had a really good game against the OKC Thunder, their other win. Um and Tory Craig, uh, who normally is comes off the bench, has also played well from uh, playing starting minutes in the guard position. So um, this Nuggets team is now very close to the Clippers uh, for the second seed. They've got a half a game or only a full game behind that Clippers team. So I wouldn't be surprised if within the next, you know, a week, um, it's uh, August 17th is when the playoffs start. So. Uh, by the time playoffs roll around, if we see the Nuggets clinch that second seed, uh, I would say don't be at all surprised. Nope, I agree. I mean, uh, aside from that, aside from a loss to the Heat, or blowout loss to the Heat, they've been sort of elite in their last two fixtures. But we are, wouldn't, yes. wouldn't count out the Nuggets at all about the second seed. Um, just to finish off, actually, we tried to yes. predict our, the eighth seed in the West last year. Um, yeah. Has it changed at all for you this week? Yes, um, okay. because Who's Jaron be Jackson's out. Right, so the Grizzlies are going to fall off. Who's going to take their place? You want to say the Trailblazers, don't you? I know the Trailblazers. I mean, I watched them. I watched <laughs> the highlights against the Rockets, and I'm not going to lie. When Melo comes up clutch, you know something's going right, and they got the momentum now. And I trust them. I hope ahead. Let's just say I trust them ahead of the likes of the Spurs and the Pelicans probably as well. Um, yeah, I mean Yusuf Nurkic, mate. Yusuf Nurkic is finally playing minutes. The Bosnian beast. Oh man, I mean that team. Do you also think if they did make the eight seed, they do actually have the potential to somewhat trouble the Lakers as well? I think. Um, would you? I wouldn't go that far. I wouldn't go that far. I wouldn't go that far. I know whoever's going to come eight is going to go is in for a sweep, <laughs> but <laughs> it, it's it's more the privilege of being able to play four playoff games. <laughs> so, okay, that sort of thing. Great, yeah, um, fantastic. Well, let's see if it changes week on week. Um, again, follow us on Twitter at Balling in the Six. Um, 
for your updates of when the next podcast is going to be out and of course when we're going to be live next on hot mic that link is in the description again to end off though i just have to say uh thanks to Burrell once again for joining us uh this has been balling in the six we might be taking a break next week but uh we'll certainly be back before the month's end Burrell, have a good one peace out everyone We are proud to have partnered with Hotmic, the only watch party platform for live sports and TV with a community of hosts, friends and fans together and in sync. To watch us, your Balling in the Six hosts, commentate on your favourite live NBA game as the season returns, please go to hotmic.io and use the code BALLING754 for free access. You can then subscribe to us and be notified whenever we're going live.